Welcome, world. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Ten minutes late into the show tonight. My apologies, my friends. I hope a few of you hung in there or come back later to uh, listen to the archive version. Okay, uh, busy week, crazy week, uh, just like every other week. Tonight we're going to hit Washington, D.C., Florida, Vietnam, China, Cuba, Syracuse, Michigan, Nevada, and Key West. Uh, let me jump right into this tonight and get started. Uh, I want to talk about food stamps. There is a coming food shortage, my friends. It's already upon us. If you notice in the supermarkets, the shelves, there are more and more empty shelves during the week. The price of groceries gone, going up crazily. Oh, my God. Uh, people aren't working, and the cost of food is going up, up, up. That means food stamps for many. Uh, people who have never been on food stamps before are now going out and getting their groceries via food stamps. Uh, problems, though. Trump does not approve of that, okay? He thinks it's terrible that people need food stamps. So he came up with one of his, uh, you know, he's been coming up with these uh, new laws uh, and other means uh, of getting things done. And he had a law passed that anyone, uh, there were 700,000 people who at one point had applied for unemployment. And he said, this group of 700,000, they cannot get food stamps. Well, the matter was brought before a federal court in Washington, before Chief Judge Burl Howell. And he says, no way, Donald. These people get food stamps. He thought that the president's action in a scathing ruling was arbitrary and capricious. Uh, food stuff, uh, people need it today. It's their safety net, he pointed out in this decision. And especially with unemployment soaring because of the pandemic. So, okay, uh, provision has to be made for these 700,000 to get food stamps. A wise decision, because behind it, had this succeeded, Trump would have gone after the more than 6 million people that have gone on food stamps and entered into the food stamp program uh, because of the pandemic. Would you believe it's 6 million people? And he would have gone after them all because he doesn't care. Now let's talk about what's happening in the United States here overall with uh, the food stamps. Uh, more and more people, as I said before, uh, because uh, they're facing famine, these people, because of the coronavirus, uh, coronavirus, uh, um, uh, lack of food. What happened to me tonight? I fell asleep and I just woke up. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Anyhow, uh, and he pointed out, and then it's been pointed out there are 55.5 million people uh, who are facing famine worldwide right now in, in six countries, Yemen, Afghanistan, Nigeria, uh, Burkina, Fair, Democratic uh, Republic of Congress, and Somalia. And an, a, an outfit called Oxam, O-X-A-M, they are an international charity organization, uh, issued a report which said, in effect, and it was titled, Later Will Be Too Late. 
Later will be too late. Because worldwide, the pandemic, there is a pandemic uh, problem because of COVID-19. And people are living in either severe to extreme levels of food insecurity, severe to extreme levels of food insecurity, or some even in famine. Uh, And this is largely, again, due to the coronavirus epidemic. And so we must figure out ways of feeding these people. Because in those six nations I mentioned to you, already 55 million don't have enough to eat. Can you imagine? Uh, Trump. Donald, in the past week, 10 days, uh, has become increasingly argumentative, aggressive, more, 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 more bullying than ever before, more tough. Uh, I think it's getting to him. The, the race is closing down. Is what, two weeks from today is election day. Uh, he knows the numbers are against him right now. He, it looks like he's going to lose. I hope he does. You never know, though. Hillary was ahead of him at this point uh, four years ago, so he could win. But I see a man who sees the handwriting on the wall, and it's hard to take. It's affecting his sense of judgment. Uh, he, he, he's a bully, and being a bully and hard-ass and uh, doesn't want to lose, doesn't want to be embarrassed, He's not himself. He's always been wacky, but he's, he's way out this time. I fear he's going to get a heart attack or have a stroke or something. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. You look at Biden. All right, Biden's ahead, they say, right now. It looks that way via the numbers. Uh, you've got two different types. You've got a man who is a bully, who is argumentative. Uh, and you've got, on the other side, with Joe Biden, a calm presidential type. He looks presidential. He acts presidential. He's been a, a political figure, a government figure, for 47 years. Uh, the man will make a good president. Uh, he has the attitude. He has the judgment. He has been in, in worldwide politics for all his life, especially the last eight. He knows many world leaders personally. He isn't going to make friends with them and get taken advantage of. Uh, so things will work out better. Uh, so we got to watch out. You got to vote. You got to vote Democratic. Uh, interesting about the budget. This past weekend, it became a major announcement in the United States that our budget deficit exceeded three trillion dollars—a record, no, record number, three point one trillion dollars. Never before were we in debt three point one trillion dollars. Uh, That's a big number. Now I'm going to share with you two interesting things that you probably don't know. I didn't know. Maybe you did know. But, my God, uh, I never heard of this before. I never read about this before. Uh, And here's the story. Number one, the United States spends 90% more than it collects. We spend 90% more than we take in in taxes. How the hell can you run a business uh, with only 10% you, you spend for every, you're really spending on every dollar, you're only taking in 10% uh, in repayment. Oh, my God, that's terrible. We spend 90% uh, more than we take in. Well, this $3.1 trillion looks awfully high. and Oh, my God, how are we going to pay it back? And somehow the numbers don't seem to come out right. We're spending money on hurricanes, 
We finally spent, are spending some money on the wildfires in California. Uh, we're spending money on wars. We're in, what, 16, 17 different countries, not full-fledged wars, some of them, but we got troops on the ground, boots on the ground. Uh, we've now got uh, coronavirus. This is costing the government a lot of money. You know, all these great companies that are researching to find the vaccine and they're moving their asses, they get paid up front to do this. You read it in the paper. Every time, oh, Pfizer's going to do this, and they were given $8 million or something to start the research. Everybody gets paid. This adds up to more than $3 trillion. Do you ever think about it? And actually, here's the story. We have two budgets. We have two sets of books with the federal government. Two sets of books. We have the numbers that we show as our legitimate debt, and that's $3.1 trillion. Then the other set of books, and these aren't hidden. These are popular, but you've got to know they're there. Nobody talks about it. The other set of books is called the Off-Balance Sheet Obligations. Off-Balance Sheet Obligations. And you know how much we owe in the other book? The Off-Balance Sheet Obligations? $100 trillion. And that's where all this money from coronavirus shows. We've already spent this country $27.1 trillion for coronavirus aid. We are in debt for because of coronavirus, the federal government, $27.1 trillion. It makes up part of that $100 trillion. But they don't talk about that. My God, we're in debt, my friends, $130 million or $127 trillion, rather. How can you stay in business with that kind of debt? No one permit, would permit any of us to stay in, uh, in business with that kind of debt. Keep that in mind. We only take in... 10% of the money we spend, 90% of it we don't have. It goes into debt. It's either in the books we show or the books we don't show. One is $3.1 trillion, The other is $100 trillion. Okay, what are we talking about over here now? Sharks. Sharks. The Denzians of the deep. We know about sharks down here. Uh, in the winter, in the summertime, you can, on the Atlantic seaboard, our sharks are generally up around the Cape Cod area. Thousands of them. But they go south for the winter, and they come down to the Keys. And we have many sharks down here off the Key West uh, and the other Keys uh, because they, they come to the warm climate during the winter. Well, there are really millions of sharks. There's millions and millions, maybe trillions of fish, I don't know, in the ocean. We're going to be, we may be using up our sharks very quickly, very soon. Here's the story. We want to find a vaccine for coronavirus. Uh, the vaccine that every one of these companies is presently working with needs some shark, some part of a shark. And it's the, the uh, thought is that one half million, 500,000 sharks may have to be killed to make the vaccine for coronavirus, a half a million sharks. That's only for one year. See, sharks have a natural oil called squalene, squalene. It's in the shark's liver. And it's, by the way, it's currently used uh, in making flu pills. Some flu pills have that. It's some sort of an accelerant. Increases the effectiveness uh, of the of the vaccine. It makes it work 
quicker. That's the whole story. It makes it work quicker. And so the numbers are as follows. Uh, we talk, we hear, we may need one pill or we may need two pills. We don't know because coronavirus is so severe, we may need two pills. Well, if we only need one pill, we'll only have to kill 250,000 sharks. If we need two pills in one year, we'll have to kill a half a million sharks. Now, we're going to wipe out sharks. That's the story here. Uh, and the pop shark population will go down. Scientists are testing right now because they understand this just isn't going to fly. Uh, hopefully, they're going to come up with a synthetic version, okay, uh, to replace the shark's liver, the squalene. And they're trying to make it an equal to squalene from fermented sugar cane. So far, they haven't nailed it down, but that's where they're working at. But God help the shark population here. Uh, middle class. Our middle class is gone. It's been gone for years. I, I, I can't remember how many years. Uh, you know, people who worked with their hands, uh, the electrician, the plumbers, even laborers, got a good hourly wage, uh, and they made a good buck. They were able to buy a house, buy a couple of cars, educate their kids. No more today. It doesn't work that way. We have no middle class. It's, it's just about totally disappeared. Uh, and one of the reasons why is a report that came out just this past week from Social Security. It's the Social Security wage statutes for 2019, Social Security wage statutes for 2019. Apparently, it takes this long to compile uh, last year's numbers, but they're a clear indication of what's going on. And... This report said that half of the working population in the United States, half of the working population, earns less than $3,000 per month. You heard me, $3,000 per month. How do you live on $3,000 a month? The actual number is $34,248.45. Uh, that means... That is the mean number, 34,000. That actually means that 50% of our people, working population, make less than $34,000 a year. Now, if you take the $34,000 number and divide it by 12 months, it comes to $2,854. $2,854. Uh, that is the mean wage the average wage of a working American today. How can you feed your family? How can you educate your children? How can you pay your bills on that kind of money? And that's why we don't have a middle class. Uh, these people who are making $2,800 a month, there was a time they were making forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. This is like 10, 20 years ago when a buck was a buck. No more. Vietnam. Got to give credit to the Vietnamese people. Terrific they are. I forgot to say it this way. Look what they did. They beat the French. They kicked France out of Vietnam. Then stupidly, we went into Vietnam. We were going to do the job the French couldn't do. And to this day, I don't quite understand why we went into Vietnam. And we had the dreaded Vietnamese War. 
and they whipped our asses like they whipped the French asses. asses. Uh, the Vietnamese people beat us. I still remember. I saw it on television. Uh, when it was occurring, we, it was the last day of the Vietnam War. We were in Saigon. The few troops we had had left. The uh, State of the Union, the Secretary of State personnel, were all in the embassy in Saigon. Then they were all on the roof in Saigon. Uh, helicopters were landing one after another to take them off. All the time, the Vietnamese troops are at the gates. They're shooting up into the air. And we're trying to get our people out before the, the last bunch gets captured or killed. And you finally see the last helicopter taking off. Uh, from Vietnam. It's America's departure with everybody shooting at us, all the Vietnamese, and now they're over the wall, they're in the building. How embarrassing. What a disaster. The strongest nation in the world. Do you understand? Let me share, share something with you and think about what I'm going to say. The United States has not won a war. The United States has not won a war since World War II. You know? We, we've you know, we said we'll have an armistice or something like that, or we got out because we weren't accomplishing anything. Look, 19 years, 20 years in Afghanistan, what the hell have we accomplished? Uh, so the Vietnamese people, they say they'll fight you forever. They proved it with France. They proved it with the United States. Now they're a great, great manufacturing country. We do a lot of trade with them. Uh, they are our friends, as it should be. We became friends with the Japanese and the Germans. We saved their economies, and we probably saved the Vietnamese economy. Uh, however, uh, they, they have, how do I describe this? They're geniuses. They have ingenuity. They know how to create a business, to discover a business. They're always looking for the next legitimate way to make money. I'm laughing as I say this because I think you're going to laugh too. Uh, the police recently raided uh, a place in Vietnam, and you know what they found? They found 320,000 used condoms. Used condoms, not new condoms, used condoms, 320,000. Turns out there are companies in Vietnam Vietnam making money by selling used condoms. They take the used condom, they wash it, they have machines to do this, they reshape them, and then they pack them uh, many at a time with no individual coverings in a plastic bag, maybe 200, 100 in a plastic bag, no cellophane wrappers like we have in the United States because we supposedly only use them once. Uh, this, of course, the medical profession in the United States will tell you, when you use, reuse, even though washed, uh, a used condom, it's an extreme health risk, extreme health risk. Now, we don't know where the, these hundreds of thousands of used condoms are sold uh, yet, and we don't know how many have been sold yet. But it is, it is becoming, and now it's under police scrutiny, they may kill it, it, it was becoming a major Vietnamese business. Some people are wealthy. They're born to wealth. And if you look closely, you'll find at some point in their family history, uh, a father, a grandfather, made the family fortune based upon criminal activity. You know, once you make money in this world, you become legitimate. Uh, you're accepted. Most people, you're accepted. So 
Let me give you two examples of what I'm talking about. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of the greatest, if not the greatest presidents in the history of the United States, okay? His grandfather, his mother Sarah's father, his grandfather, okay, made two fortunes. This is where FDR's money came from. He made two fortunes. They were both in China. He lost the first one, so he went back to China. Do you know how he made his fortune? He, he was selling opium. He sold opium. And he said, I know it's illegal. I know it's wrong, but it's no worse than booze. And that's where the Roosevelt fortune came from. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Uh, many think his father was a bootlegger. Uh, he was a bootlegger. And that he did business with the mafia. Uh, that's questionable. Uh, but that's the story. He made his money bootlegging uh, and ended up being not only father to a president of the United States, but also our ambassador uh, to Great Britain. And so some families make it improperly, but it works out. That's the show for this week. I'm sorry it was only 20 minutes instead of 30 minutes. Uh, I sat down to watch a little television, and I fell asleep, such is life. Uh, I look forward to being with you again next week. I hope many of you pick this up in the archive version. Good night, my friends.